I'm Jenny Thomas. And I'm her friend, Ellie David. We decided to create a podcast that embodies what you would talk about with your closest friends. So sit back and relax and put your headphones in. Because you're listening to the Honestly Unfiltered podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Honestly Unfiltered podcast. Today, Ellie and I have with us Rebecca Johnson. Her podcast is Love Is Not Dead, Just My Husband. Rebecca, Ellie, how are you today? Great, great. How about you? Good. How are you, Rebecca? I am doing great. Thank you. How about you? You know, pulling it together for a Saturday here. (laughs) I say any day that I'm not working, I'm doing really, really good, even if I'm not doing good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've been procrastinating today, so. (laughs) Likewise. (laughs) They say any day above ground is a good one, but I'm not sure that's good. That's uh. That's appropriate to say in this situation. <laughs> Actually, it is really it when you is. think about it. You know, that's the, there's no better way to, to sum it up. <laughs> right? We're, we're alive to try to do it again. Another day. Yes. I had, I had a boss once that say would say on his way out the door, I'm going to go home now and tomorrow I'll come back and do it better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway... Why don't you tell our, I I know your backstory and Ellie knows a little bit, but why don't you tell our listeners what brought you to the podcast and what has, what transpired in the last four or five years to get you to that point and your journey? Okay. Um, Well, I'm Rebecca and I'm a widow and I used to not think there was anything different or special about me being a widow than anyone else. Um, But I did have a string of bad things that just kept happening over and over and over again. Six months before my husband passed away, my godson was murdered. Um, And then six weeks after my husband passed away, I was diagnosed with a rare cancer. So I went through um, a surgery to have my eye removed, um, Mm. went through radiation treatment as well. Then I had a house fire and then it just seemed like a lot of just bad things happening over and over and over again. And I just keep going. Like, I don't know why I just keep going. And everyone is like, oh, you're so strong. And this is so great. You're doing so good. And And then I'm like, but I don't see it. (laughs) I don't see it. Um, And then a friend, a couple of friends uh, said that I should start a podcast really to tell my dating stories because (laughs) they are very funny. (laughs) And (laughs) so I really thought this podcast was just going to be me telling a bunch of funny stories about dating as a widow and, you know, how that's not going for me. And, but then it just turned into something else. Like I, I've found a whole other passion for it. And, um, I'm looking at a totally different side of being a widow and, um, how it's actually a catalyst for change in your life. Um, and this is, that's how I got where I'm at now. It's, it's amazing how it, you know, one thing happens that brings you to another place. And, you know, you, you said that you feel like you're not that strong, but 
I got the opposite impression from you when I first spoke with you. I, I, I knew about your podcast because I had seen, um, you know, posts in the group and so I knew and I followed you and I, so I knew, you know, the premise, but I didn't put the connection together until about maybe 20 minutes after we talked. And I was like to myself thinking, and then when, when you mentioned that you had cancer and, and, you know, your godson. And I was like to myself thinking, my God, this woman is so strong and so confident. I would never know that she had such horrible things happen to her. Yeah. And it's, it's just strange what, what we don't see in ourselves that other people see. Um, I've always thought of my story as just sad and tragic and I hated to share it with people because the first response you get after you share it is, Oh, that's so horrible that that happened. So you don't want to tell the story over and over because you feel like you're reliving it in a way, but Mm. Um, I don't know, just, it you don't just, want their took, pity. Yeah. 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 You don't want pity. And so, and I think that's another reason why I try to hide it a lot because I don't want people to feel bad for me. So I try to be optimistic and positive and say things like, you know, that my husband died, but, um, other people's husbands died and they have it actually a worse scenario than I did, or I have cancer, but you know, they have cancer, but they're, they're having it worse than I am. So I look at things that way. And that helps me keep moving forward a little bit. Like it could be worse than what it actually is, even though it appears to be really bad. It really could be worse. Yeah. Now, did you have that perspective prior like throughout your life, have you been that, has that been your kind of personality to look for the positive in situations? Like, are you more easily like able to do that? Some people are not able to do that, period. Oh, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, I don't think that I was mm. like, I, I don't think that I was that positive or optimistic before all of this. Wow. I, I mean, honestly, now that I think back, um, I used to have a coworker. We used to make so much fun of her because she was so positive all the time. <laughs> I mean, all the time. And it was just like cringing uh-huh. that she was so uh, positive. We would leave little stickies on her computer and there's Annie. <laughs> She's so POS. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so... No, I I don't think I was that way before. I was probably a little rougher around the edges. <laughs> wow. So that's that's intriguing that you you took these tragedies in your life and it it's it lended you to be that kind of, you know, positive person. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. It's a gift. I mean, it's a gift from tragedy, you know. Cuz you have you have a couple ways to look at. It. I know Jenny and I our friendship started, you know, almost like a trauma bond. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like to call it a trauma bond because that's more toxic, but, um, you know, we, it, you, you have an opportunity to let it consume you in a negative way or a positive way. So I can totally relate to that aspect of just trying every day to find yeah. the light, you know, in the dark. 
how long after your husband passed away did you start date did, did it take you to start dating um it was like a little less than a year after he had passed away um i was just really lonely like i just wanted physical connection right i mean mm -hmm. not honestly not even really companionship yeah. like it they call it a widow phase i guess <laughs> A widow. Well, grief. A widow phase. But they, they say grief is the biggest aphrodisiac. It can it, be. It can I, be. It's common well, in widows, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. But, I mean, I was was looking for a friend. <laughs> just, just a friend. And it's funny because, you know, they say in dating, when you're not looking for something, you know, these men will come along or whatever. Um, so I, I met a guy and, and I thought, Oh man, this is perfect. Like he lives out of town. He works out of town and he's not going to want to see me. And I can just, <laughs> we could just, you know, do our thing or whatever. <laughs> well, like he wanted a full blown relationship. I'm like, no, that's not what I want. I'm not ready. Blah, blah, blah. So that didn't necessarily work out the way that I thought that it was going to work out. And, um, and then, uh, right at a year, I met a guy, I mean, again, not looking, I, and so I know that this does happen. I met mm -hmm. a guy and it was, it was wonderful. Like I, if I wasn't grieving, I would have probably thought, you know, is this love? Like, <sighs> this is so wonderful, but it was just, he didn't, he wasn't from here and it was just a summer and we knew it was just a summer and it was like a summer romance that I'll never forget. And he moved back home and, and then I tried to date afterwards, but it's, it's been hit or miss and I, do it when I'm bored and for all the wrong reasons, which is probably why I'm still single. <laughs> Do you, are you open now to being in a relationship? Or are you still just looking for like something casual? Um, are you ready? I, I am I, honestly, since we're honestly unfiltered, mm -hmm. I am, mm -hmm. I am in this weird friends with benefits thing. But um, I am open to the possibility of a relationship. It's just that I, I have to figure out what I want. And I, I'm like this close to figuring out exactly what I want. And I think once I have that down and I commit myself to it and set boundaries, <laughs> it, <laughs> it might happen. But, hey, I'm, I'm not good with boundaries. How do stepping stone? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Baby steps. Yeah. How do men? Do you talk to people that you're dating about being a widow? Do you share that part of yourself, or you try to kind of keep that stuff behind the veil? <laughs> it's funny. Um, in the beginning, I would not tell people that I was a widow right away because um I feel like you're trying to get to know someone and um but then it gets to a point they're like well how long have you been single 
And I'm like, oh, for a year or so, you know, <laughs> like at the time, a year or so. Well, what happened in your last relationship? Because it's inevitable. People want to talk about their past relationships. Yeah. Um, but people also tend to want to say bad things about their past relationships. Like they have to validate why they're dating and why it didn't work out with the mm -hmm. previous person. Um, well, my husband died. So yeah. <laughs> that's what happened to my last relationship. <laughs> my happily ever after came crashing down. So now what? So right. it's it in when you do tell, I do feel in my experience, when you tell someone that you're a widow, um, it's it's a tad bit different than a breakup or a divorce. Um, oh, yeah. But and then and then it gets a little weird, like sometimes it gets weird. So but now I'm open about it. Like if someone says something, I just say I'm a widow and and then I don't care either they like it or they don't like it. But mm -hmm. in the beginning, I wouldn't tell people. Now, how long were you and your husband married? Um, <clears throat> Actually, we were married twice. Oh, yeah, we actually divorced. <laughs> Oh, I love and those then, stories. I love yeah. it. Right? I, I envision myself doing this eventually. So every time I hear it, I'm like, yeah, I can see how that could happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, things are, they seem better the second go around, second chances, all the things. Yeah, we divorced and then we got back together and well, then he died. So how long have you been back together? Four years. Okay. How long were you married the previous time? Previously, I think nine years, okay. nine years, but okay. we were together like a total of eight, 18, almost 19 years. Okay. How many years were there in between being, you know, the divorce and getting back together? Four. Four. Okay. So every, what now was it? a bitter divorce the first time I, mean, I can't imagine if you got back together if it was an ugly mess or was it just you were in different places things weren't working out you know and you um, said some things to me that I'm, I'm I don't want to you know divulge and you know oh no you're fine um so in our first marriage um he was older than me and he 10 years older he didn't have children and he he basically lived um a bachelor life and mm. lifestyle and i felt that for he i felt that for him the marriage was i have the wife i have the kid i have the house the picket fence the dog the job the car like that image of what a marriage should be like but he also still wanted that previous lifestyle that he had. Mm -hmm. And um, it just kind of, it just kind of fell apart there at the end. And I didn't feel like um, we necessarily wanted the same things. And there were other things happening as well um, that I probably won't ever share publicly because, I mean, those yeah. were his personal struggles and things that he had going on. And I don't think it would be fair um, to him because he wouldn't be able to defend himself. Not that it would be something that 
you know, people didn't know, but no, you know, I just kind of out of respect. But I always say that our marriage didn't end because we didn't love each other, but you need more than that. Mm-hmm. And it just, I didn't feel that we, we had what it took to like, go the distance make that happy marriage and Mm -hmm. so yeah so we just we separated now in the second try you know the second time around did you feel like you guys had found your footing um I did actually it once we got back together I felt like we hashed a lot of things out and I feel that a lot was miscommunication in the first marriage. So when people say that communication is key, it is key, but I think it's also listening too, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. when someone tells you a story or tells you something, everyone perceives it differently. So like I could tell our story of our marriage and he could tell it, but everyone's going to hear something different, mm-hmm. right? Everyone's going to pick up on keywords or key things and come up with their own conclusions. Um, but I felt like we did better the second time. Like we actually talked more and it was a deeper relationship. So it, it was better the second, it wasn't perfect. No, 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 nothing is. Yeah, it wasn't perfect. And we'll find out on my next episode of love is not dead. Just my husband, how not perfect it was, but, um, it was so much better. Yeah. Now you, go, ahead. go ahead. No, go no, ahead. You. No, 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 go ahead. Uh, I was just going to ask if you're comfortable sharing how he passed or, you know, just, you don't have to get into the nitty gritty, but was this something that was expected? Had he been ill unexpected? It was, it was very unexpected. Uh, okay. He was very healthy for his age. Um, but right before he started to pa- right before he passed away, he was, he was like, all of a sudden he was concerned about his health and he, I think he was, he was a tad bit morbid. He would say stuff about dying. He would actually talk about dying. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard people say that people know when they're dying. I mean, they don't like subconsciously, they mm-hmm know that they're dying like they change things in their lifestyle or their habits and they start talking about death and I would have never put that together at the time I mean now I look back and I think did he feel that that he that it was coming um but he was going to the doctor all of his tests come back great And the doctors were like, you're healthy. Like, how are you so healthy? What are you doing? Like all your numbers are within normal limits, except for his testosterone, but he was 50, 51. And, um, he said, he told the doctor, he said, I just smoke weed every day. (laughs) And the doctor said, well, if, if that's what you're doing, Keep it up. I'm not going to. But then he started eating healthier. He cut back on the black and milds. And it's like the healthier he tried to become, it's, I don't know, maybe it's the worst that he, he got. Mm. I don't know. Shocked his body. Yeah. But he passed away in his sleep. Um, Mm. 
and yeah. And you said he, you told, I believe you told me he had sleep apnea. Is that correct? Or he, he, he well, was diagnosed? I think he had always had sleep apnea. I mean, he snored really bad and he didn't sleep good. He took little naps all the time, but he was just diagnosed with it. And um, he was supposed to pick up a sleep apnea machine. Actually, the day he died, they called and they're like, hey, this is such and such. We're calling for Tom. He needs to pick up his sleep apnea machine. I said, well, oh he God. just died. Oh, oh. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, when? I'm just this morning. Was it related to that? Or you well, oh, I don't think that anyone would ever diagnose a death for sleep apnea. Um, but the what's the guy's name that comes in and does the the coroner? The, yeah, the coroner. He said that um that it just looked like he passed away in his sleep. He said he looked very peaceful. He said all indications just show that um, he probably stopped breathing and just had, well, it was a heart attack, but the heart attack would come from him not breathing. Mm -hmm. But would that be the sleep apnea per se? Maybe, but you know. Over time, it does put a strain on your body. And, yes. you know, I, I think I told, I shared with you that I, for 10 years, worked in a sleep lab. Oh, and yeah, that's right. And yeah, and you see it because you with sleep apnea when you when you're not breathing like that, your oxygen dips and mm -hmm. your heart rate, you know, your heart is not getting the oxygen and just years and years and years of it, it takes a toll. And sometimes it's, there's two types of sleep apnea. The one is obstructive where you have like excess, you know, skin is you know, your neck is thicker, so the, the airway is, you know, when you sleep your airway relaxes. So all of mm. everything inside just will, will block basically and block the air that, you know, and the CPAP machine hold the air bl blowing down. It keeps that airway open, but then there's also what's called central apnea and that comes from the brain and that will, the, the whole body just shuts down the, the whole, but the brain, mm. they're not functioning together. And, uh, the CPAP machine will help that because it's keeping the airway open. But ultimately that is more deadly than the obstructive apnea because you can't fix that. Yeah. Like your brain is not telling your body to breathe, to breathe, you know? Right. So that is the one that's more scary. It's yeah. Scarier. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, interesting. It's, know. you know, it's, it's, it's a shame that, Doctors do not, well, not doctors, but the medical community doesn't put such, they don't put a lot of weight into sleep studies and mm -hmm. sleep apnea. And, I, you know, for the 10 years I was in it, I did watch insurance companies fight. We fought with insurance companies of paying for the sleep study or they wanted to do a split night instead of one. And really a split night's not accurate. Now the way I see it going is they're actually doing at home tests. Yeah. And they're, yeah. I don't feel that they're accurate at all. I mean, they give an indication, but it's, you can't diagnose and diagnose somebody with a CPAP machine and set it and get the right settings all from a home sleep test. Just being in the industry and knowing and seeing it, it's impossible. So, you know, 
I know this is off subject, but and I'm on a tangent, but I'm just we, we're going down hey, another rabbit hole. This so. is a PSA. <laughs> this is a PSA, people. Yeah, so people, if you store, people if learn things store, that they never do. Out. Yeah, I know you need to get checked out. It's, yeah, uh, it's something I'm concerned about with my husband and with myself. If I'm being honest, you snore like the. I oh. know <laughs> I do. I do. And I, I know that both of us should probably at least do the at home thing, even though that's not great, mm. but something. Yeah. And you're right. It's, it's not, it's kind of like mentioned here and there when we go to the doctor, but not really a big deal. And I'm thinking, you know, the, the, how they've correlated this, these issues, sleep issues, period, even if it's not apnea, um, but just not sleeping well enough. And, you know, all those things are, are directly related to mm-hmm. heart disease and cardiovascular disease. So, and strokes and all that stuff. So I just don't think they, I mean, I think we're starting to hear more talk about it, which is good, but it's, it's not going far enough. And and in this hustler society, everybody's being go, go, go. Yeah. Go, go, go hustle, hustle, hustle. And it's like, I keep hearing more and more about how, eh, I only get four hours of sleep. Eh, I'm like, are we really promoting this? <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely need eight. I need eight. Oh, I need, I need eight. <laughs> it's, um, it's, you know, and it could be as simple as if you have an Apple watch or a Samsung watch, if you're one of those Android people that you, <laughs> that you put a watch on you and monitor. They have like, I, my Apple watch, the new ones, even there's a sleep, you could put it into a sleep mode and where, and it, it will, it will monitor your oxygen all night long. And if your oxygen dips real low in the night, you know, you have a, you have an issue. So yeah, that's true. For anybody out there that has a husband that snores or they snore, I suggest you just give yourself a little test. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Can't hurt. <laughs> nope. Oh, well, so, moving on from that. So how long has so you said it's been about five years now since he passed mm-hmm. almost may and will be five would you say may will be may five. oh i thought you said today i was like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> sorry i didn't leave with that um and so you're still dating now you mentioned a child was that your child together with him or prior or uh, or with someone else whatever uh, I have a different baby daddy. Okay. So, but my son was um, six when we met. So Tom really did raise him. Mm-hmm. Now, is his father involved still in your life at all with him, with, with your son? Uh, no. Well, no. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not involved. Um, I, I do hear from him every once in a while, but... Um, uh, no, we have a, a difficult past. Believe me, I can and, understand. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I do hear from him every once in a while. And um, but uh, my son and his dad's relationship is there. I I would like to think they're working on it. But I mean, you know how men are. Mm-hmm. And um <laughs> They're stubborn and they don't necessarily always like to share their actual feelings and things like that. So um, I try to stay out of 
<laughs> try to stay <laughs> out of that because I get very defensive over my son. Of course. Very yeah. oh. defensive. So, yeah. So I try to not get involved. So he, so your son was close to your husband that did pass. Oh, yes. They were, they were very close. And how old was he when that happened? Your son. Uh, so he's 27 now. So about 22. 22. Yeah. How, how is he doing and how did he handle that? Oh, he does not like to talk about it at all. I asked him, I said, Hey, do you want to be on my podcast? He goes, <laughs> yeah. He said, but don't ask me anything about Tom. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, and he said, no, the conversation will end. <laughs> like, wow. So he won't even yeah. talk to you about it. Like you and him together or. We do. Um, sometimes. Um, but I think the way that I handled my husband's death. Um, I think it was, I don't know. I feel like I, I, it was a little unconventional, like, cause I'm the type of person, um, uh, I'm a, like a problem solver, but also a people pleaser. And when my husband died, it was kind of like the, you know, the funeral arrangement, well, not the funeral arrangements, because I didn't do any of that. My sister-in-law did the whole thing. But afterwards, all the other stuff, um, it just felt like like a task, like it was a job. It was like something that had to do. And I kind of felt like the quicker I did it, <clears throat> the quicker it would be over. And that would be the end of my grieving process, if that made sense. Like, mm-hmm. okay, he died. He's not coming back. Um, I can sit here and cry about it all day, but it doesn't really help anything. It doesn't mean that I didn't (laughs) cry, but I think the outside perception of people that I was, they're like, oh, you're just handling it so well. And I'm like, thank you. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. But the whole time I'm just dying inside and I can't express that. And with my son, I, I didn't like, I didn't express it very well. I, I tried my best to not let him see me cry. And I feel like in a way he felt like he couldn't express himself. And Mm. he's had a few deaths Mm. on his dad's side after that. And it concerns me that he does that. I didn't show him a very good example of processing death. Mm, be easy on yourself my friend (laughs) because one thing that I've learned and yes I've had trauma and and grief not to that level you know not that any any death is not painful but you know I often try to put myself in the shoes of my best friend who that's how Jenny and I you know started our friendship was through her And then ultimately it blossomed into what it is now, unfortunately, because of her husband's tragic death. Um, And the one thing I know, and I'm so fiercely protective of her. um, And and I'm sure she felt that way many times, you know, because of the way that she was choosing to do things. Mm -hmm. Um, They were also unconventional, but I kept telling her the whole time, it's whatever, (laughs) it's like whatever you just do, whatever you can do. You make whatever choices you have to make to survive, period. You know, 
there's always going to be some something left in the wake. I think our children are unfortunately collateral damage because yeah. how much can you, I mean, that's where I want to give you a little grace because I've watched her and I still watch her like feel all that pressure and, and burden and not knowing, you know, what to do and what's right and what's wrong. And it's like, there isn't any, I mean, it, there's no right and wrong, you know, it, it's, it's so, so hard. I just can't, as much as I try to put myself in that place, I, I just can't even allow my mind to go there. So I can't imagine the guilt and the burden and everything that follows. Yeah. I mean, luckily your son was a man. He was 22. So, yeah. you know, he, I mean, it, it's never good. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I think it's, it is different if you have a very, very young child, you know, it's every stage is oh, different. I, I think that would have, I think that would have been more difficult to Maybe. have children during that process. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what that would be like. It's it would all be difficult. difficult. <laughs> it's all <laughs> terrible. <laughs> now, what I know a big part of your podcast is you're widowing your own way and that you're breaking the stereotypical molds and that everybody has an idea of what a widow should be and what should do. What do you, what are some things that, what some uphill battles or things that you encountered that you felt that way, that made you feel that way? Um, <clears throat> for me, um, I, for me, it was more or less, um, it has a lot to do with people pleasing, right? So I, I want other people to be happy all the time, like whatever they need. I'll just, I'll just put my feelings aside. And with being a widow, you only are the center of attention for so long right? It's, it's like a week or two. And then mm -hmm. everyone goes back to their lives yeah. and you're just left there to basically fend for yourself and trying to figure out what to do. And, <clears throat> and I don't think other people realize as they're going on with their lives, the fact that you're now a widow is an afterthought. So someone, um, may start talking to you about their husband, like complaining about their husband and their problems. And you're like, <laughs> at least your husband's alive. Right. But do you, but do you say that? Like, do you actually say that to someone? No, you don't. You're just like, I'm so sorry to hear that. So I feel like people, they can be insensitive, but they don't know they're being insensitive. I mean, they're just being their normal selves and they're going on with their lives. But with, with me, it was like, do you, do you say something? Do you remind them like, Hey, I'm a widow. Like you, <laughs> did you forget? Like you're talking trash about your husband, but my husband's dead or, um, you're, just anything. I mean, that's just one example. But for me, I felt like, you know, people are like, and then they say things like, oh, you're going to meet someone again someday. 
And then you're like, do I even want to meet someone again someday? <laughs> Am I supposed to meet someone again one like, day? That's not comforting. <laughs> what, what do I got to do to meet someone one day? And then now all of a sudden I'm thinking, okay, well, now I got to meet someone. And it, so they, people always say there's no right or wrong way to widow or grieve or anything, but I think that widows still get the stereotype. People expect, okay, they're grieving, but okay, we all went back to work. You have to go back to work. We are all now living our lives. Can you please move on with living your life? And then mm-hmm. you start to feel like a burden to people. Like me, it's it's a joke. I always say that I'm the sad, lonely, cancerous widow. And <laughs> I, that is my card. And I use it like I, I think I just used it on my best friend just the other day. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> would you stop saying that? And I'm like, but I can't help it. I'm a sad, lonely, cancerous <laughs> widow. Help Can you me. please show me some attention? <laughs> like, but it's I people just expect you to pick it up and move it on. And it's it's hard to do that. But you you tr- I feel like people try because we try to do it for other people and we're not really doing it for ourselves. And, and it takes, for me, it took a while. Like I, it's probably only been a year for me that I've finally been like, I don't care. I don't care if people know that I'm dating. I don't care if people know that my marriage wasn't perfect. Like I would, just keep my husband on this pedestal like for the longest time like he was up here but he wasn't perfect I mean I wasn't perfect either but why do I feel that I have to like keep idolize. this level of yeah this idolize or, or protect this level protect. or honor yeah like but I'm still alive like I went through it too like I'm here mm-hmm. like let's keep moving forward. And I think that's where a lot of people, they don't feel, widows don't feel comfortable. Did you feel like you had a lot of support? Did you see certain people that had been in your life show a different side of themselves during that time after he passed? You know, I, I always say that like, it's, it's really easy to be, you know, we hear this all the time. It's really easy to be a good person and a good friend and a good mm-hmm. whatever when things are great, but when things are not and your ass is falling off, right? who are you then? What was your experience with the people that were close to you guys? Um, so for me, it was a little bit interesting for me because I, we were living in Kentucky and we were with his family. Um, after I moved home, the only family that I even still talk to um, that are his is his brother that lives here. Um, and I do still talk to his other brother and his wife, but everyone else, I don't, I don't have a relationship with. I mean, I do hear from my nieces and my nephews every once in a while. And that's great. Cause I mean, I do love them. I was in part of their lives for so long, but it was difficult for me that after he died, I felt like his family just, it's like we parted ways. 
Mm-hmm. And that was a difficult for me, um, except for a few exceptions, his brothers. And then on my family, um, I'm trying to think back. Did, I mean, I guess people cared. I don't, because the funeral and everything was in Kentucky. When I come home, there wasn't a funeral here. Like I didn't do it over again. Right. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't anything here that my family came together. And yeah, I mean, just like supporting you, like after the fact, not necessarily the funeral, but even further down the line, like, did you feel like they, that you had this, the people that you expected to be supportive, were they moving down the line? I think people tried in their own way. But right after he died, I also got cancer. So mm. there was um, there was that. Like I had to put that grief on hold. And then I had to deal with my own situation. And that was surgery, radiation, scans every three months. So it was probably a year or so after Tom actually died that I started to grieve and go through that. But you know what, now that I'm thinking, I don't remember my family like coming to me to support me or be there. Um, I know that sounds horrible and I don't want anyone to hear this and think I was there. Maybe you were, but I don't, I just don't remember if that makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't remember, like there's things I don't remember about the funeral. There's things I don't remember about coming home. Um, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't honestly remember who was there. The only one person that I can say that was there for me through it all is my best friend. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, I don't remember like an outpour of support. Like you're a widow. Let me support you. Let me be there for you. I don't remember that. I think a lot of people don't know how to act or what to say or should they say something or should they just... If they run into you, should they mention it? Should they not mention it? Is it taboo? Like, I I I know from you know people that I've I've known in the past, and you know that they will say you know they ran into so and so, but they just looked at me a certain way and didn't know if they should bring it up or not bring it up or things like that. I think I think you get that, and I think that sometimes because people don't know what to say, they don't reach out. They don't call because they're they're avoiding that conversation that's almost worse yeah if you don't know what to say say nothing at all I mean that's that's almost worse oh yeah like I I love it when people talk to me about Tom yeah like talk to me about him like tell me something that I didn't know because even now I feel like memories are fading and um, that's why I like hanging out with his brother so much because we'll we'll talk about things and he'll remind me of things that happened in their in his child in their childhood and I'm like oh I remember this story this is what Tom said um, but I just I feel like I'm forgetting so I like it when people talk to me about Tom I hear that all the time mm-hmm. I really do and it's funny that like as a society. we don't have that like you said it's better to stay people think it's better to stay quiet 
But everyone that's been in these situations, not everyone, but a lot of people that I've heard speak about it, say the same exact thing. I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. So it's like, where's the message being lost? You know, like that people just are so afraid. It's so taboo to Mm -hmm. talk about someone that's passed. I don't know. Yeah. Now, now, I don't, I, it, was it you that told me he's haunting you? <laughs> <laughs> and somebody else as well? Yeah, like I've, I've had a couple experiences with, uh, I think with Tom and my brother, because my brother passed away just over a year ago. So mm, yeah, I've, I've had a couple experiences. Um, there was this, one time I was meditating because, you know, your meditation is supposed to be good for you. Right. So, I mean, I was, I, I do, I meditate. I'm not that great at it, but I do. <laughs> I was meditating. And just one time I was just like really, really relaxed. And, you know, you're standing there, sitting there with your palms up. And um, so after Tom had passed away, I had this dream, I guess, where it was this joke. He would sit on me. Like he was almost 300 pounds and he would sit on me and put like all of his weight, like crushing. So after he had passed away, I had this dream. I was sleeping in the recliner and uh, where he died a little bit morbid, but (laughs) sleeping in the recliner where he died. And I had this dream that um, he was sitting on the side of the recliner chair And I was saying, don't do it. And he's like, I'm going to do it. And I'm like, don't do it. And he like sat on me and like put all of his pressure on me. And then I woke up and I felt like heavy, like he was on top of me. Mm -hmm. And so when I was meditating one time, I, I felt that same sensation. Like I was deep into meditation and then all of us and I was thinking about him before and all of a sudden I felt like it started with my hands like someone was pushing my hands down and then all of a sudden like someone sat in my lap like they were putting their weight and just like all of their weight so when I think Tom is haunting me I it it comes in weight like heaviness Mm. so one night I was asleep and I felt someone get in the bed with me, Mm. like start from the bottom of the bed. And I could feel like they were, you know, on your hands and knees trying to get in. Yeah. Like crawling into the bed and then laid down right behind me, spooned me. The arm came around my side to my stomach. Wow. And squeezed me in. Why I didn't wake up until the very end. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it was muscle memory. Muscle memory. Maybe it was going to be a good dream or a good haunting. But it, (laughs) but all the way to the front and then the squeeze, like that pressure, that weight. And that's when I woke up. So wow. was I awake or was I asleep? Was it a dream? Well, I don't know. I mean, what's your <laughs> thoughts on, uh, like, have, have, are you a believer in spirit being able yes. to? Yes. 
Oh, yes, I, I am a believer. And I love psychics and mediums and tarot. Me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When yeah. I was... Oh, when I was going to say you'll want to listen to our episode this week. I know. I can't yeah. wait. <laughs> um, and, and I will say what turned me on to it, really. I was never a naysayer, per se, but I was just like, eh, whatever. Maybe there's ghosts. Maybe there's, I don't know. But it was grief. It was It was so so many traumatic losses that you know getting into like the paranormal realm watching certain shows and i'm not into all of them but there's a few that i like yeah. and mediums i was i was definitely into before but i found that it, that stuff gives me so much like peace and comfort yeah it does um and for me, it does because I've had three readings with um, three different people, and they have all mentioned um, one particular item. Oh, okay. So, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, it just depends. Like, I do feel like there's probably half of it of what they're saying may just be off the wall and just relevant to anyone in general, right? Like, I feel like we can all listen to any reading. Like for me, I'm a Scorpio, but like, I feel like I can probably listen to, I don't know, a Leo or a Pisces and I could relate to it in some way. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you have three different people reference the same exact item three different times i mean it feels good it's just like yeah. a little bit of a yeah that they're still yeah, there oh yeah yeah that's well oh, i always take comfort in the fact that there there is something else and that when we would die it's it's not over because and i think i i i feel sorry for people that don't believe that because that that makes it so final. I mean, we have to believe. I mean, I don't have to believe, but I have to believe that there is something else and something, you know, better on the other side waiting for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. Well, on that note, we are just at the hour mark. Ellie, do you have anything you would like to add? Or Rebecca, do you have anything else you want to share? So how often do you... Oh, wait. I wanted you to talk about after that, but you you go ahead. Ellie. Well, I was just going to ask about your podcast. How often are you creating? Is it like a once a week thing, once a month thing? Like, And, and what's your day job? Oh. I'm always um... interested. <laughs> <laughs> well, the podcast, uh, I release an episode once a week. Okay. And... Um, my day job, I work for a medical software company. Okay. Yeah. So I work from home. So I sit in front of a computer. That works day hand day. in hand with the podcasting. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going on a trip. Tell oh, yes. Ellie, tell us about that. Dude, you, I know you told me, but I think it's really cool. So share it. Yeah. Share. So. I'm just, um, I'm at a place right now where I just really want to change. And, um, it's, it's funny because I've always wanted to be home. Like I've always migrated home. I've always come home. I've always wanted to be here. And of course I make different excuses of why I want to be here. But, um, 
now I just feel like I want to leave for some reason. Like I just have this desire to leave. Like I feel stuck in a box here and I just, there is somewhere else out there that I am supposed to be. So um, I go to Arizona like two, three times a year. So, and I've never been out there in the winter. So I'm going to Flagstaff, which is up north. Yeah. So they got like three feet of snow right now. So I'm pretty excited. But um, I decided that I was going to drive because I want to see what it's like to live there, like to be there more than a week. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be there for almost two months. Wow. I mean, I'm not saying that's where I would move, but... I want to try it. Now, and you've been to Flagstaff? Yes. Yeah. I go every year. Okay. That's where you go. I've I've been and I absolutely loved, loved, loved it. My sister went to school there. She went to college there. Uh-huh. So when she graduated, we all went and spent time there. Now, the most of the other parts of Arizona can kick rocks. Okay. I, no, right? no, thank you. But no. Flagstaff and Sedona were just breathtaking and I could totally see myself being there so I'm very happy for you that's such a cool place how long are you gonna stay there are you I I'm gonna be in Flagstaff for almost two months oh wow um and then I'm also gonna make a visit out to California so I'm gonna go out there visit a couple people there and then I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna visit um uh, a friend in Dallas, uh, possibly a friend in San Antonio, a friend in Houston, well, a coworker in Houston. And then I plan on like dipping back through and I'm going to see my cousins in Louisiana. And then I'm going to see um, a friend in Alabama. And then from Alabama, me and her are going to go to Florida and we're going for a women's wellness thing in Florida. And then when that's over, I, I should be coming directly home. I have some things in May that I have to do, but once I get home, I'm just going to figure out what I'm. Yeah. This sounds, this sounds like your eat, pray, love. Yeah. I I wish I could eat, pray, love, not in the United States. (laughs) Listen, I I dream, I dream of doing that. Like I haven't traveled a whole lot in our country. So as much as I want to go to Europe and, you know, I think all, all of the places I haven't been here in the United States. So I think it's, yeah. you can definitely have eat, pray, love here. Mm-hmm. Just as good as anywhere else. Especially Arizona. Yeah. 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 Ooh, cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> Very into Yellowstone right now. Yeah. Montana. <laughs> I've only watched like the first three episodes. Um, yeah, I want to finish. Oh, please. I don't, I, Do yourself a favor. Keep yeah. watching. Keep oh, yeah. watching. Okay. <laughs> and, and we'll live vicariously through you. And we yes. want to hear your, your dating escapades with cowboys. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know someone told me they're like, um, you should date a man in every city. <laughs> I'm like, what do you guys want me to do? Just download the dating app and <laughs> put on the location? Yeah. <laughs> There you go. That could, yeah, that's a podcast. Like Sex yeah, in the City. Yeah. 
Sex in every city. Sex in yes, every go. city. There you there go. You go. Uh, the widow phase. The widow. I like that. <laughs> Wid- I never Widow across Wid-ho. the country. <laughs> there you go. Widow your way across it. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you definitely have to keep a video vlog or, you know, you have to track that somehow. Yeah, I have to figure out how to do it. This is all new to me, like the social media and all the things. It's all me new. Me too. Trust me. I'm I'm, so, I'm a work in progress trying to learn how to yeah. do it all. I figured out a TikTok and got so excited. Me too. <laughs> we're yeah, we're starting with that too. Yep, we're yeah. working it. Well, there's a lot of portable equipment that you can bring to record on the road, and I can point you in the right direction if uh, Tiffany and David can't. So I'm I'm sure David is the master of that. So oh well, you know I did get a a different mic that is smaller than um the yeti that i was Mm -hmm. using but like i mean i don't know if you have some recommendations for like in the road like i don't i don't know if i'm going to record an episode like on the road in my car or maybe go live like tell people when i'm going live and yeah so i'm excited i'll probably do some lives while driving and because i'm gonna get bored and maybe people can talk to me like i shouldn't read messages and drive at the same time but you might do some lives do some recordings make some reels there you go that'd be great yeah you can document it it's people love to live vicarious through through other people oh yeah yeah i've i've (laughs) the amount of interest is is crazy yeah oh yeah definitely Mm -hmm. yeah we're we're all voyeurs i mean Mm -hmm. That's just human nature. We, I think we love to just peek inside, see what everybody else <laughs> yeah. is doing. That's why reality TV is so popular. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, um, I guess we should wrap it up. Rebecca, how can people find you? You can find me um, on Facebook and Instagram, Love Is Not Dead, just my husband. And if you click in the bio, it'll take you to a link. And then from there, you can go directly to listening to the podcast. Awesome. And I'm going to put your links in the show notes as well. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Welcome. Thank you, everybody, for listening. The name of the podcast, again, is Love Is Not Dead, Just My Husband, and I highly recommend you give it a listen. You you never know what you're going to find there, and you will be surprisingly entertained. Even if you can't relate to the subject matter, it is definitely very entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you. You'll have to come back back after your trip and tell us about it. I will. I will. 